This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome to Reimagine Law. I'm Nigel Spencer, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Cathy Goodman, Lead Practice Innovation and Knowledge Council at Paul Hastings International Law Firm. Well, Cathy, it's great to have you with us on Reimagine Law. Could you let us know, please, a little bit about the role you currently have at Paul Hastings? And also, for our listeners, I'm sure they'll be really interested in your pathway and how you develop your interest towards this role, how that worked over the last few years for you. Hello, Nigel. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. So you've already said that my current role at Paul Hastings is Lead Practice Innovation and Knowledge Council. I'm part of our Practice Innovation and Legal Solutions team which is a team that supports our global practice groups in a variety of different ways. So I oversee the practice innovation lawyers that support our Europe and Asia practices, and I support our London office practice groups whilst working on global innovation projects. And I'm happy to tell you lots more about that in a little while, but if I explain a bit about my journey to where I am now, I'd always wanted to be a lawyer, but by the time I got to picking a degree, I found out rather last minute, and this is a long time ago now, uh, that I didn't have to do a law degree. And I was fascinated by language. I still am, but at the time I decided that I would do um, an English and Italian literature degree, spend some time abroad, developing my language skills. And then after that, do the the law conversion course as it was called at the time so that I could sort of continue that pursuit of becoming a lawyer and and I think actually thinking thinking back now a a lot of uh, what's involved in linguistics you actually apply in law it's all about interpretation and thinking about things differently so although I didn't maybe appreciate that at the time I can I can see those synergies now so um, and also leading up to that point I'd done some really interesting work experience I'd been really lucky my A-level music teacher had a friend who was a barrister so I spent a couple of weeks with him at Leeds Crown Court um, quickly deciding that criminal law was not for me as incredible as an opportunity (laughs) that was but from quite early on I was fascinated by company law and how businesses operate um, and the the governing principles around them and then corporate structures so those were the things that were definitely floating my boat early on and still do so I got my degree I went to law school and I was um, fortunate enough to to get a training contract at a city law firm and um, I spent a few years in those those corporate training seats and uh, eventually qualifying uh, and then and then working as a practicing lawyer uh, in a corporate law environment so um, you know I, I ended up where I had intended to be and then um and, and then really discovered that w- what I really liked about the law was actually still what it had always been, which is the law itself. So reading law, figuring out what it means, mm. um, reading the cases and, and, and researching and sort of d- d- drifted into a professional support lawyer role. Um, and actually before that into lecturing law. So I spent some time lecturing law, uh, pioneering yeah. e-learning at BPP. So I think that's maybe when, when I start talking about innovation and technology uh, shortly, yes, I think yeah. it was around that time that I really saw how law and technology uh, came together yeah. so nicely. 
Um, yeah, and then and then becoming a PSL, and and I think that's where I can maybe spend a bit of time talking about the, the two elements to my current role, which um, yes. so you you know that there's the knowledge side and the innovation side, and and taking the knowledge element first, I think that's probably what I describe as the more traditional professional support lawyer or, or PSL part of my job, and a PSL is a lawyer who instead of focusing on the advisory and client facing work supports by creating precedent documents, researching, being a sounding board, capturing and curating lawyer knowledge, deal knowledge, preparing thought leadership materials, training, all sorts really. So, um, and I like that variety in the lawyer role. And I think lots of people might not appreciate that there, that there can be that variety sometimes and then maybe as for the uh, as for the innovation element of my job and actually I think mm. now I'd say that is probably what takes up about 80% of my time if not more at the moment and going back to around 2007 when we were pioneering e-learning during my time at BPP law school I mean obviously my, my interest in tech actually started way before then grow, growing up playing computer games with my brother and sister on our Amstrad and then our Amiga and <laughs> and, and but, but now in this Paul Hastings role I, I, I've started to work over the last couple of years on what we call matter optimization so how can we do what we're doing in a more efficient way and that's not just time and cost it's how can we make things better for our lawyers and our clients and it's through those methodical process investigation projects that technology really comes to the fore so um, a big part of my job is working out where the pain points are for our lawyers or listening to them at least when they bring them to me and that's my favorite part actually when they come to me with the pain points and not just the lawyers also the clients seeing what we can do differently how technology can help us achieve that and I think the role of the PSL has moved inevitably into the legal tech space because of this explosion of legal tech and how it guides everything that we're trying to achieve in terms of document and process automation, data analysis, and how we can use AI in legal work. Mm. So it's fascinating, Cathy. So what I took away from the very last part there was very much you have this fascinating role, and again, for listeners thinking about just understanding different legal roles, as you say, so you have a partly externally facing role, you're working with the clients of the firm, you're working with the lawyers, trying to help them, as you say, drive, it, drive efficiency or make things um, literally less painful, as you say, in the sense of how do we, how do we, so this task we've always done to deliver this type of work to a client, how can we do that differently? Or how can we do that better? And as you say, how can technology get involved in that, yeah, I guess? Absolutely. That's absolutely it. And, and I think, um, you know, this work is, it's just increasingly important to law firms and their clients. And, and I think it's because we, we, as in we, the lawyers, we've done things in our own particular ways for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And things have changed and we need to be competitive. We need to attract the best talent. We need to work smarter. And it's exactly the same for our clients. And we're seeing how our clients want to innovate their processes and workflows. And they want to include their legal advisors in that. And that's really exciting mm. to be able to partner with them in that way. Um, and how we work with clients mm you know, it's becoming more transparent, it's becoming more collaborative, and that holds a lot of opportunity for the future. They expect us to work in innovative ways, and so do the junior lawyers coming up through the ranks. You know, we run our lives through our phones. It's fast, convenient, it's economical for time and cost, so there's no reason why you can't run how you work in a more technologically enhanced way, and it's not just about 
new technology being introduced. It's about the old technology that we're used to using no longer being fit for purpose. So we've got to explore new options to make sure we can achieve our firm's objectives and the best outcomes for our clients yeah. as well. So that's interesting. So as you say, it's, it's partly around efficiency. It's partly around um, a different way of working. And it just made me think, Kathy, around the different types of law and the different practice groups. So obviously in, in your international firm, um, obviously there's more, more transactional side. So, so I guess, are you seeing this applied across basically the whole range of practice groups and sort of types of law within your firm, basically? Yes, definitely. There's definitely a desire from all practice groups, um, whether it's because people are just more open to, or maybe not more, they're definitely more open. Maybe it's just that being able to work differently and use new technology is more on people's radar than ever before. So it's definitely across all all practice groups and from from all different types of clients across those practice groups as well. Mm. So it's okay. So that's interesting. And so that's and I, I suppose, Kathy, as you've said, it's partly around the processes that are being made more made more smooth or something like that, or more efficient. Um, and is that something that's increasingly comp- in, uh, important to the firm from a competitive point of view as well? In the sense of you know when you're when you're discussing with clients, or oh, would you like us to help with this? that almost inviting you being creative with those extra tools becomes an important part of the conversation. Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. Now, it's a question that is asked by clients of panel law firms. What are we doing in the innovation space? What are we doing to differentiate ourselves? What are we doing to deliver a, a better service? So absolutely. Very good. And, and, and I'm not surprised that this just increases in pace because as you know, certainly with deregulation in the UK legal services market, you know, you have the different types of legal service providers. So you have all these tools and, and the investment in technology coming in. Um, I mean, Cathy, it would be great to just explore in a little more detail. Um, perhaps some of the, I'll call them experiments, but I'm sure they're way beyond experiments that you're, <laughs> you're, that you're using now in the sense of, you know, what's possible now? And just to give listeners almost some practical examples of some of the things you've just been headlining there. Um, I don't know if it's possible to do that. I appreciate confidentiality and, and mm. all of that, but it'd be, it'd be really interesting, I think, for listeners to understand, ah, okay, it's that type of, you know, the, the service we provide where technology is being used. Are there any sort of examples that you could help us with? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a wonderful question, actually, because I don't think we as lawyers or law, firm, law firms get asked what is possible so, and actually anything is possible right now. And <laughs> a lot of it yeah. is about being open-minded enough to realize that. The important thing um, to, to ground myself, because I do have a bit of a habit of getting carried away with what is possible, but the important thing is identifying what needs to be done to help our people. So, and by our people, our lawyers and our clients. So that when you introduce something new, you're able to show how the new process right. or the new tech has made an improvement. Yeah. And it's that all important ROI. So experiments, I think, is a scary word for the legal industry. We like certainty, we like facts, but but we we do, on the other hand, we have to step out of our comfort zones. And I feel, um, True. I mean, I can give you some examples of what I'm working on in a moment but just something that, that's a bit more more global well global in the sense of 
um, the UK because I feel very fortunate to be part of the, the Law Commission's Industry Working Group on e-signing. That to me is a shining example of a situation where our existing legislative framework permits e-signing, but because oh, it's yes. a new way of doing yeah. things, the uptake has been a little slow and people have shown a bit of reticence in adopting it. And we've got HM Land Registry now accepting digitally executed land transfers. They put a robust framework in place to support the new process and it's all systems go for them. And HMLR are also steaming ahead with the digital signatures project. So specifically piloting QES qualified e-signatures, e which is fantastic to see. And it's steps like these coupled with a willingness to embrace what is possible so you know instead of only worrying about what might happen if it goes wrong that's what drives progress that that willingness to try um, and obviously you've got to consider risk that's another important part of being a lawyer but just because we're doing new things with technology doesn't mean there is more risk often by deploying technology you're managing risk in a better way you just have to take diligent steps to understand the process and the tech involved I mean I saw a well-known gym brand holding their first team meeting in the metaverse the other day and you know why not experiment there a lot of people say it won't catch on but I think actually it already has so you know our government's work on digital identity digital infrastructure smart contracts you know all of that demonstrates investigations into and steps towards creating positive technological changes and, and for all of our futures and it's that that's flowing into the work and practice of lawyers so some of the things that I'm doing in terms of process mapping what are um, some of our funds practices are doing what our M&A practices are doing really breaking down those matter workflows and seeing where we can make positive changes and using the technology to, that's out there to help us do that so there is a lot of digitization of manual processes because that it's just a no-brainer at the moment to do that yeah and it's at that point of risk it that really struck me there uh, Kathy as you say it's that point of actually perhaps the tech can reduce risk as well as because you know if we're relying on human beings like myself doing a search for something for a document or something like that you know actually where can we use tech and I know this was perhaps one of the first things that was that was uh, thought of in legal tech but yeah how could you're right that there seems to be a risk perhaps of using it but actually also that where can we actually make the process more a more bulletproof process by actually using it of course is, is pretty key as well as well as being more efficient in time and yeah, that's absolutely right, Nigel. And there's lots of examples where you can um, sort of look at where you can just Im improve what's being done from from from, from all, many perspectives, not just risk. But you know, and I often say to some of our lawyers, if if there's something that you're working on, and you know, late at night or um, or in in the small wee hours of the morning, and nobody goes into um, you know corporate law not realizing that that is might be what it takes because you're working across time zones, you're working on high value transactions. That's part of the job. But there are some of there's some of those aspects of what what we're doing can definitely be optimized um, using technology and um, and it and it's for the better for whether it's um, for, from a risk perspective or um or just uh making life better perspective yeah and and Kathy in terms of what that looks like so as you say you talked about the process there so is that in terms of you know you, so 
as you say, you're talking to your client teams or to your clients, they've got a, a problem or a challenge, would like to do this slightly differently. You know various technology providers and partners that you can partner with. So is that literally, I suppose, is bringing that all together. And does is the end point of that something like it could be, I don't know, like a, a template or something that, you know, probably there's various outputs or, or a range of outputts, but I think it'd be really interesting for the listeners to hear almost the, the range, you know, just a type of output that there might be. Yeah, well, it could be anything from as simple as uh, a template. We've, we've literally just taken a process and templicized it. I think that's a word we do actually <laughs> use sometimes. I'm not sure whether it is a word, but, and we, and we automate it. There are no code automation platforms out there, uh, essentially decision trees but a decision tree where um, it transforms the way that you're working. So mm. you, um, the decision tree walks you through things on an online platform and triggers and emails and documents and all sorts of things can be created from this digitized workflow. So, you know, any reduction in email and paper is, um, is a plus point. It's good news, yeah. Um, and Kathy, just, just one thing before we go on to, to think a little bit about the, the future and where the next horizon is, it just strikes me as well, again, for our listeners who might be at any stage, almost beginning a legal career or thinking about a legal career, or even at the early stages or mid stages of a legal career. Um, what does this imply for, I'm thinking of skills, and I was just thinking, what does this imply, do you think, for skill sets of the future? Because I know you and I have talked about this a lot. Um, so I'm always very curious, you know, because you're at the real sharp end of doing this day in, day out, working with the lawyers. Obviously, there's yourself with your team and your department. Does that mean the lawyers themselves need to think differently or have different skill sets? What's your take on that? It is something we've talked a lot about. Actually, I think this is more a question for our mutual friend and acquaintance, Dan, with the, <laughs> talking about the O-shaped lawyer. This <laughs> yes. is the perfect... Yeah, true. Um, it's true. just the perfect opportunity to mention what, what he's doing in the space of skills and mindsets for our future lawyers and, and thinking about, you know, what I've already mentioned, in fact, one, one of his O words, the open-mindedness. Well, Kathy, mentioning the O-shaped lawyer initiative just makes me think of those skill sets of the future. And we actually talked about this a little bit on some of our earlier episodes about the new solicitors qualifying examination, especially part two of that conversation where we looked at qualifying work experience. So all of you listening, if you haven't had a chance to listen to those episodes, it may be interesting for you to go back and look at Dan Kane's whole initiative there and what they're saying you need to develop for skills for the future. I think it, it, it is a different way of working when you deploy technology. So you do require different skills, but not necessarily technological skills. And that's kind of what, what Dan's point is. You know, we just have to think about working differently and using skills that actually I think people d don't realise they have. You, you think actually being a lawyer, I need to be good at drafting and I need to be good at communication and there's a whole number of lawyer skills but it's just remembering some of those human skills that you've already been honing over the last few years um, you know when you when you go to university or you become an apprentice so it's it's just about remembering that there are there are other skills that are important which is interesting isn't it because I guess what we're saying therefore is we, we bring in all these tools to make life more efficient, to help people with accuracy or whatever the tool will help us with working with the clients. But actually, it, it still you know, goes back to a point you and I talk about a lot. And with Dan, as you say, it's that point of, um, OK, but that actually means using some quite human skills, whether it's asking good questions or it's actually, you know, really understanding what the client's trying to achieve with this project or this uh, document that they're trying so that we can actually deliver that. So 
which I think is interesting. So again, it's not about replacing, certainly not about replacing lawyers, but it, and it's not actually about, as we've often said, it's not about learning to code necessarily. It's about using this as a tool to help you when you've had a good, good client conversation, for example, or worked out what the client's objectives are. Yeah, exactly. And you've, you've used the, the, the listening word there. I think listening is a, a, just a key skill that is really overlooked. Uh, listening, asking questions is so important. I always encourage our juniors to take a pad with you or your digital version of it, wherever you go, um, and take just take notes because you're always consuming knowledge as a lawyer, whether you're a new lawyer or whether you're a, a more seasoned lawyer. Um, I, you know, this is my 21st year of lawyering and I am learning more than ever, I would say now. So I think, you know, those listening skills, note taking, just go and research everything that you can to help you be as knowledgeable as you can in your role. And that consumption of knowledge piece as well, I think, is really fundamental at the moment. Um, and you and I have both talked at length about um, helping juniors in particular when they first start there is a especially over the last two years there is a different way to consume knowledge now and there's a different expectancy in from the people consuming the knowledge in how they are supported in consuming that knowledge so it's down to it's down to all of us to to facilitate that legal learning as, as best we mm. can but that's also a really interesting point I think that takes me to thought I was thinking of clients again and, and as you say if if our own lawyers in, in, in the teams are actually taking in knowledge, learning in different ways, I suppose it also makes me think of how relevant all the stuff you're doing is now, because no doubt the clients want to be consuming the product you give to them in a slightly different way or using it in different ways. You know, I know we always just say, give something to the client so they can just flick it onto the board or something. But perhaps now what the client's saying is actually, well, I need something that's almost like a tool that I can then use internally at my end. So I guess that looks different as well, potentially. Yeah. Exactly. And you've just made me think of some of the tools that we're using, actually, where just collaborative tools where people can come into the same space. I mean, I think of traditionally you think of when you're marking up a document and it gets redlined and then it gets sent on to um, the next people who have to review and redline. And it's a very it's a very methodical process, but everybody has their own versions, whereas actually now there are so many great collaboration tools and everyone can just be in the same space and you can work together and that's um, not only is that a much better experience for everybody it's uh, it's a huge time saver as well if we were to look forward to the thing as you say you're doing lots of really interesting things working with all these technology providers now i know it's a you know it might be hard to say this because <laughs> looking into the crystal ball of the future but um is there almost a next frontier of things you think, oh, it would be really brilliant if we could actually achieve this or actually be able to deliver, you know, use a tool like this? Is there, is there almost like a next frontier that might be interesting, do you think, from a, from a technology point of view? Um, definitely. There are lots, you know, I would, there, there are lots, but as I've learned over the years, I've now, I just feel like I've become a lot more reflective on things. And I think that's really important and actually, thinking about this with my reflective hat on and then maybe I can tell you what my just kind of my, my straightaway answer would be if, if I had all the money in the world to buy all the tech tools that I wanted to, to play with but I think the immediate next frontier for me is just wider adoption of what we're already doing um, and that's really about culture change which uh, possibly getting a bit deep but you know you asked about experiments earlier and 
and what we're actually doing on our projects in the law firm is iterating so testing improving developing finding the best outcomes for those pain points that we've identified trying out different technologies fitting different technologies together to find the best combinations because legal processes and transactions they're detailed and they're lengthy and they're difficult so breaking them down and, and seeing how you can improve things is a big task and maybe the next frontier beyond the immediate future I think that's going to be driven by the new generation of lawyers and again our clients and I think a lot of where we're headed will revolve around data and how we deal with it and how we use it and I run our associates committee on technology with my co-lead Elizabeth who's based in Washington DC you know Elizabeth and we spend time talking to our lawyers about their expectations and their needs from a legal tech perspective and it's actually it's not just about doing their jobs as lawyers and we've just talked about how we're constantly learning on the job so the way we train and learn how we consume knowledge that all needs to change as well and um yeah so le legal training and learning in our, our modern digital age so i think part of this new frontier will be driven by culture change because people want to work and do business and learn in increasingly digital ways and and that's going to, and it's that that will necessitate looking at the tech that can facilitate that and it's going to be that mixture of tech so it's going to be ai plus data management plus process automation interoperable technologies that help us work end-to-end -end on matters because i think maybe at the moment we're looking at different bits of processes but actually where we want to be ultimately is in central platforms where law firms and teams can work together where the client can be in the space with you as well and and actually it's already possible but i don't feel that it's the norm yet it's that sort of slower uptake like we were talking about with e-signatures so it's a bit of a slower uptake than people would like but it's because there's there's a lot to think about you know the information security um changing long established ways of doing things um so it's all of these moving parts and but i think if we tread carefully and confidently but with purpose it's quite exciting times thanks Gaddy. Well, that's a great that's a great note to end on i mean and as you say i guess you're right so next phase looks like everyone's using it. it's the environment it's almost like that famous thing of um that famous phrase where people say uh you know what does the goldfish say about water well the goldfish doesn't even recognize there is water you know so it's almost when <laughs> when we'll be in an environment where it's actually just the norm and actually it's not yeah. it's not something it's been like i remember when i was back doing um doing tax at pwc all those all those years ago and originally we had a team called e-business of course because that's when that style of stuff that type of stuff was starting to happen for all our listeners that was a long long time ago um, so um, back in the late 90s but of course it just becomes business because that's just the way stuff is done and it becomes as you say just the methods and just the environment that you operate in whether you know you assume that of course we'll use a tool to do that or we'll use that approach to deliver that type of matter whether it's litigation discovery or whether it's you know a process for a transfer an M&A deal or something like that so no, that makes perfect sense, Cathy. Cathy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your, for your time and for sharing your thoughts on Reimagine Law. Um, and for all our listeners, we'll put the show notes out just with some ideas and, and some links as well for you to, to read up on a bit as usual and some actions for you to take. Um, 
And Kathy, thank you very much for your for your time today. And uh, yeah, and and looking forward to perhaps perhaps you come back in 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 the future on another episode where where you can give us an update on how the culture's changing. So look forward to that. My pleasure. Thank you, Nigel.